Hey, basketball fans, before we get into the show, we just want to say thanks for your continual support of Around the Rim. While you're catching up on women's basketball, we want you to do that. You definitely need to check out the new podcast, First Take, Her Take, with WNBA's own Shanae Gumake, alongside Kimberly Martin and Charlie Arnold. Biggest topics in sports and more is what the ladies will be discussing. And you can find it in the same place you find Around the Rim. And now, on to the show. This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hey, basketball fans. Welcome to a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined as always by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have a great show planned for you today. We are finishing up the regular season of college women's basketball, headed into conference tournaments starting next week. And then for some, the week after that, of course, we are hoping that all conference tournaments can take place safely because there's some bubble decisions that have to be made, according to one Charlie Cream, our resident bracketologist for ESPN. Uh, we will talk about his notes in a moment, but coming up on the show, we will dig in all the way in on the Big 12 with Big 12 expert and ESPN analyst and play-by-play, Brenda Van Langen. We'll go through the Baylor's and the Texas, the Iowa State, and the West Virginias of the Big 12 and get the scoop from Brenda. Um, And also later in the show, we will visit with the projected number one overall pick in the WNBA draft 2021. That is none other than Charlie Collier. That's right. Our Michelle Vopel believes that Charlie Collier will be taken number one overall. I believe she will too if she comes out. And uh, we're going to get to know Charlie a little bit more a little bit later in the show. So we have a lot planned, but going back to bracketology, in case you have not heard, a lot has happened in women's basketball over the last, uh, we'll say, few days, but definitely since Sunday. So let's jump into that, okay? In case you haven't heard, Louisville. Lost on Sunday to a Florida State team coached by Brooke Wyckoff. Um, she's doing a fantastic job in the absence of Zeus Samurai. Morgan Jones had a big game. And Louisville, um, taking that loss, actually made the Cardinals fall out of the number one seed line, according to Charlie Cream. Um, a couple of other bracketology updates. The SEC now has two number one seeds. With that movement, Texas A&M moved in to that number one position. They also have the South Carolina Gamecocks out of the SEC in the number one seed. And those two teams will meet Sunday on ESPN2 at 2 p.m. So obviously that's a huge game and the Gamecocks will have to go on the road to College Station. So the SEC crown on the line could be. Um, It's interesting when you look at some of these conferences, some are deciding their regular season champ by winning percentage. Some are doing it by straight up record. So it's just interesting to see how everyone is falling out. Now, a couple other notes. UConn is still a number one seed. They are the overall number one. Stanford is the number three overall one seed. And South Carolina is the number four, Texas A&M that number two overall number one seed. Now this is big for Gary Blair's group, um, a team that has been underestimated over the course of this season. I think our 
colleague Carolyn Peck has brought it to our attention on many occasions that um, the Aggies have been pretty spotless against ranked teams. Uh, their one loss was to LSU in, over, in overtime. They did get revenge um, later on against the Tigers, so they did right that wrong on their schedule. But they lost Kennedy Carter last season, um, but have had a group really come together of transfers. Boy, they have had some key transfers, none more important than Jordan Nixon, who was running the point guard spot. Um, she transferred out of Notre Dame. So um, big things happening with Texas A&M, a team you definitely need to know, very balanced, very experienced. I actually called one of their games last weekend, and it was amazing. If you have not checked out our anniversary podcast on the Texas A&M National Championship team from 2011 with Sidney Colson and Coach Blair, make sure you do that. All right, well, that is it for Bracketology for now. Um, And we've got Brenda Van Langen and Charlie Collier. So enjoy our Big 12 coverage. All right, basketball fans, um, we are excited to have a very special guest and expert with us for today's show because we are going to dig heavily into the Big 12 Um, So we are delighted to have with us none other than the not only an analyst, but also play by play for ESPN, the Brenda Van Langen with us. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you so much. So good to see you, Latina. It's great to see you, too. And I would like to add to that. You are also the best telestrator technician I have ever (laughs) worked with in my in my career. You are fantastic at telestration. So, um, you know, we actually had a guy by the name of Ben Dull on our show um, that's about three or four weeks ago, but he does, you know, primarily WNBA, but he also does some college and he just breaks down the film. I'm like, if him and Brenda got together and she can put some telestration to this, it would be a dangerous <laughs> tag team for sure. Yeah, um, I love to draw the lines. Absolutely. Love yes, to break it down. <laughs> and you're great at it. So Brenda, I mean, we have to jump into the big 12. Um, and I'm excited about this because I actually had the chance to do the big 12 preview this year. So I had some different expectations coming into the Mm -hmm. season and it's interesting to see how things have panned out now for fans. If you have not been paying attention, number one, Baylor is number one in the big 12. They are 17 and two on the season, 12 and one in conference. That one loss is to Iowa state. They are the number one team in the country in field goal percentage defense again. So Kim Mulkey, again, has a very strong defensive team. Um, a couple trends that we're seeing as of late is, um, you know, I think Nelissa Smith is definitely coming into her own as uh, the premier offensive player and go-to player for Kim Mulkey's group. Dee Dee Richards, um, you know, I don't know if I'm more impressed by her defense or her assists, and I think her assists have been uh, maybe better than her defense this season for once, but she's taken over that point guard spot. Moon Urson, um, you know, has has really hit her stride along with Dejanae Carrington, who's um, been added to this roster this year as a transfer. But Brenda, you know, as we look down the stretch of Big 12 season, you know, for Baylor, uh, it's always for them about winning that championship. They've got a game Saturday against K-State, um, and then they are going to finish up at Texas. Can anyone take this Big 12 crown from Baylor this year? <laughs> Every year, uh, you know, that I cover the Big 12, I always say it's it's Baylor's to win. And it's it, 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 it that's who you have to go with because they have won it so consistently over the last 
10 to 12 years. And, you know, they, they may not have that dominating player that they've had in the past. If you think of, you know, back to Brittany Griner or even Kalani Brown or Lauren Cox, but Melissa Smith is a double, double machine and she is so good and so versatile. And, and you just talked about uh, Dee Dee Richards, the, the fact that she, basically is a defensive specialist her entire career. And now, oh, by the way, she's just going to be the point guard for this team, right? And that's why her assists are so good. She's just the point guard. I mean, just because she's so determined and what she overcame in the, uh, you know, with that terrible injury uh, before the season started. And then Moon Urson, the way she's waited her turn, all those things, um, they, they are the team to beat again. But as you look at their schedule, uh, today's Wednesday that we're recording this. And so they have to play Oklahoma State and then they have to play Texas and at, in Austin and they also have West Virginia. So they've got three of the top five teams down the stretch here. So uh, they're going to earn it if if they do, in fact, win it again, which we think they will. But they have some tough, tough games ahead for sure. You make a great point, and you're right. I missed that um, Wednesday night matchup against Oklahoma State, and that's the next place I'd like to go is to Oklahoma State. I'll be honest. I did yeah. not have high expectations of Oklahoma State this year <laughs> after losing Vivian Gray because she right. was one of my far one of my favorite players. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this team is doomed. But Natasha Mack is an incredible player. Um, I think she's going to be a top four. I think she's going to be a lottery pick in the WNBA, um, you know, if she decides to go this season. But they've also yeah. developed their backcourt. Tell me a little bit about why Oklahoma State is the number three team right now in the Big 12. Well, you're not the only person <laughs> that thought things weren't going to be good in the Stillwater after Vivian Gray left. Uh, the fact that you know, Nat Natasha Mack was good last year, but she was a junior college transfer. She has just expanded her game, uh, her offensive skills, her shot blocking ability, one of the best in the country. She anchors the defense. And then Jamie Asbury, their guard has just blossomed. She's like, I think up about 10 points per game. And as I've talked to Jim Littell and different players on that team, they say that their team chemistry is amazing and maybe the best it's ever been under him. And, and everybody likes each other. Everybody supports each other. And as you and I have watched teams throughout the country over the years, you know, it's, it's those teams that truly like each other, that play for each other, that are most successful. And I, I think Oklahoma State has a lot of talented parts. Um, but I think because they're playing with such chemistry on both ends of the court, that's elevated them. And they've got a couple of really good freshmen that have come in and made an impact. So I think it's all of those things. And, you know, they're sitting in a really good spot right now. I mean, uh, we'll see what happens uh, with them and Baylor today in this game. Uh, but no matter what, they're probably going to end up either the three seed or possibly the two seed. So they'll, they'll be in the opposite side of the bracket in the big 12 tournament. And anytime you can be in the opposite side of the bracket of Baylor, you know, you've got a chance to make it to the finals. And I've just been, I've been really impressed with them. That's where you want to be. And you mentioned Jamie Asbury. Not only is she in the top 11, which I always, I'm always shocked when a guard can be in the top 15 and field goal percentage yeah. in a league, because to me, post players are usually the leaders there, but she's, Number 11, shooting 42% from the field, but she's number one in the league in three-point field goal percentage, shooting at 
45%. So you're absolutely right about her improvements. And when you look at Oklahoma State, their current streak, they've won three in a row and they lost February 10th at Texas. Now I watched that game. Natasha Mack got injured in that mm, game, that's and right. was gone yeah. for a very long stretch. And so obviously that makes your job a little bit easier when you don't have to worry about the other team's best player. Um, right. And Oklahoma State just didn't get back into a rhythm once she came back into the game and not to take anything away from Texas. But, um, yeah. you know, I am excited to see how they perform against Baylor um, in this Wednesday night matchup, because if there's someone that can tell us what Natasha Mack is really about, it's going to be Baylor's defense. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Now, a team that may be a surprise to some, um, but I had my eye on coming into this season, and boy, am I excited about this matchup on Wednesday night. West Virginia is the number 18 team in the country. They are going to take on Iowa State Wednesday night. Uh, Mike Carey's team, I mean – we always know they're going to be tough defensively, but we mm-hmm. knew how important it was for them to be a better offensive team this year. And between, you know, Kaiser Gondrasic, who is fourth in the league in scoring, averaging 20 points per game, um, you know, really leading the charge for them. Esmeri Martinez uh, is one of the most improved players in the league yes. as well. Transferred yes. from Mississippi State, gotten healthy. Um, what does this West Virginia team, Brenda, have what it takes to not only maybe compete for a big 12 championship um, in the tournament, but could this be a sweet 16 team? I think they could. I think it depends on uh, some injury situations. I just had their game this last weekend against TCU and Madison wise, uh, their, their point guard or plays a lot of point guard. They, they shift around a lot of different players play point guard, but she's a really good defender went down with a really bad looking injury to look like her oh, hip. Wow. So I don't know what her status will be. And then Kaiser Gondrzik, it was her senior day and she came out of the halftime locker room and didn't play in the second half. And we never did get a full story on why she did not get back in the game. Uh, it was mm-hmm. kind of odd. Uh, so um, I'm very interested to see if Kaiser is available for this game against Iowa state and uh, what's Madison's status, because when those two are available, I think they're amazing. Uh, you talked about Esmeri Martinez. I mean, not only is she like a monster on the boards uh, and can score inside, but she stretched her game out and can hit threes. And just when they, when West Virginia runs and scores in transition and move the basketball, besides that great defense you talk about, they, they're really impressive offensively too. And I, I do think they can make a run, but I really, we're going to have to look and see how healthy they are. Wow, that's big news, especially if something did happen with Kaiser, if they don't have Wise. I mean, you know, Deans is going to have to step up. Um, I think, you know, Kari is definitely a player that you would think um, has to pick up a little bit more of the load depending on what happens. But they're a team I'm keeping my eyes on. Now, a team that I've been disappointed in, Brenda, I came into the season saying this was going to be a breakthrough year for Kansas State. I'm a huge um, Aoka Lee fan. Yeah. Um, you know, I think cars is great. I mean, they've got so many good pieces and yet they are one in 12 in conference. I did not see that coming. Yeah. What has happened to K-State? Well, um, a couple of things. Uh, they, you know, they graduated some good players and point guards and they really don't have a true point guard. And so they haven't been able to figure that piece out. 
And they came back from Christmas and they had, uh, you know, they, they can't say exactly, um, but there were, I know, um, double digit number of COVID cases uh, oh. in, on their team and not just, and so, you know, uh, you know, we can't be specific and all that kind of stuff, but they basically yeah. lost several weeks of players even being able to practice and even leave their apartments. And so when they came back, uh, they actually, I, I had a few of their games in that stretch. They were ahead of West Virginia in Morgantown, the first game they came back. And West Virginia went on a run the last five minutes of the game and won the game. They were ahead in like, uh, I think it was seven games in the last five minutes and their opponent came back. And so I just think, I do think they have a lot of talent, but because they had that big chunk of time where nobody gets practiced, uh, they just don't have the legs to finish games. And, you know, maybe by the time big 12 tournament comes through, they might make a run because they might finally have their legs back under them. So don't count them out. And that's why as you look ahead to the big 12 tournament, there's a solid five teams that are projected in the NCAA tournament and they're the top five, but the other five teams in the league don't count them out. All five of them from Oklahoma, Texas tech, TCU, Kansas, and Kansas state can score. And if you have the ability to put the ball in the basket, you can, you can make some noise, you know, and you can hit a bunch of three pointers and you can upset some people. And it's been really interesting with all of the teams that have had, you know, pauses and stops and starts and whatever. Oklahoma has basically had six players available all year and they knocked off West Virginia and Iowa state. So and then played Baylor within 11 points, which isn't bad either. Yeah. And they were, they were close at halftime and it was really close at halftime. They were shooting 58% or something against Baylor's defense in the first half. So I, there's some really interesting things going on across the country, just with teams not being able to practice all the time and players not being av available. And I think it's going to make for some interesting things in postseason. You know, we might see some surprises uh, in some of these conference tournaments. Going to be interesting to watch to your point. Charlie Cream, as of today, has five teams from the Big 12 in the NCAA tournament. Baylor at a three seed, West Virginia at a four, Texas at a seven, Iowa State at a nine, and Oklahoma State at a nine. Now, uh, we'll get to Texas in a moment because we want to talk about Charlie Collier. Iowa State, we, we, we understand how dangerous they are. Obviously, taking down Baylor, um, you know, reminds everyone of what you're capable of because they did beat Baylor in their last contest last season. But um, Lexi Donarski and, and the freshmen have had their down moments as freshmen uh -huh. do and have kind of uh -huh. had to ride the wave. But Ashley Jones is, is fantastic. Let me ask you this. Do you, how overlooked do you think, and I'm going to give you two players, Ashley Jones and Maddie Williams of, of Oklahoma. Mm. Are we not giving those two players you think enough attention? I mean, Maddie Williams is a name that most people may not even know and she right. is second in the in the league in scoring yeah yeah i i think that um people haven't seen the big 12 as much this year there were some things with the television package that i don't think people are seeing them as much uh, nationally and you need to get an espn plus subscription so you can <laughs> see them play yeah, more big 12 is all over espn plus yes yeah exactly <laughs> and so it, you got to figure out where to find them it's a little harder i'm gonna say it's a little harder but uh that's where you can see them and ashley jones is an amazing scorer 
score for Iowa State, uh, unstoppable. I mean, she really can just create her own shot, and she's part of a team that has a lot of great three-point shooters that open things up in Iowa State. And they've been up and down, but they, they start three freshmen. And so they have three really good freshmen. So they are going to continue to get to be better, but they're going to have their freshman moments. But Maddie Williams, as you mentioned, uh, she's amazing. Um, you know, she came in as one of those players with a, a lot of talent, but not a great work ethic. And about the end of her sophomore year last year, a uh, light switch turned on. And she has been working extremely hard on improving her footwork, her game, all of those phases. And she is just incredible. And she's so much fun to watch. And then she teams up with Taylor Robertson, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the country, put those two on the same side of the court and who are you going to guard? So, um, you know, that's why I think Oklahoma has had some, some good wins. And even though they have six players available, you know, they could surprise some people, but yeah, Ashley Jones is terrific for Iowa state. There, there's a lot of, there are a lot of good storylines in the big 12 for sure. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, just how good that bottom half of the big 12 could be Kansas, you know, TCU, Lauren Hurd is a name that you definitely need to know in the conference, Texas tech having, you know, Vivian gray, they've had some moments, lost their point guard, but, um, you know, yeah. trying to regain their footing. Um, the final team I want to talk to you about is Texas. Now, I will say this about um, Baylor. If I have one concern about Baylor, it is that they have to play great defense because I don't know that this is their strongest offensive team, right? So like in the half court, as you mentioned, they don't have that big dog. Melissa mm -hmm. Smith is learning. You know, Didi doesn't really have a three that can stretch the defense. They need Carrington to do that. So if you do have one concern about Baylor, it's that, their defense has to create some offense for them. Texas is a team that I believe is very similar in that mm -hmm. when I've seen them struggle, it mm -hmm. has been when they're not getting offense from their defense and their half court offense just seems yeah. to get stagnant despite having arguably the best player in the country and a possible number one draft pick in, in Charlie Collier. What does Texas have to do to keep their footing in the NCAA tournament right now. Again, they are in, but also mm -hmm. to perform um, and finish this season well under Vic Schaefer in his first season. Yeah, Texas has been a little bit of a head scratcher for me. And, and you know, Vic Schaefer coming in, I mean, it's such a weird, a weird year to be a first year head coach. You know, he, he didn't really ever get to spend time with them and bonding and just all the virtual stuff. And so, you know, just it's such a difficult situation. And you could point to so many diff different programs and the challenges that they've faced. Um, but I think Texas would have benefited from, you know, having more opportunities for Vic Schaefer to spend a lot of time and his staff developing the players together. Um, you know, I've seen them look uh, really bad and I've seen them look really good. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I saw them at Texas Tech just did not play well at all. And then they turn around and maybe play their best game of the year at Iowa State. And it does have so much to do with their offense. Uh, their, their defense is getting that Vic Schaefer stamp of toughness, grittiness, teamwork, help side work together, pressure the basketball, and their offense is there sometimes and not sometimes. And, and you're right, you know, why they can't dump it into Charlie Collier and get her baskets every time it is tough. You know, that game against Baylor was just kind of mind-blowing how she didn't even get touches in the second half. That was, I, I don't know what happened. Brenda, 
I just want to say on record, I called that game. I I, I tried to say it as many different ways as I could and spread the responsibility around because to me in the second half, it's everyone's fault if Charlie Collier does not take one shot. I don't even know how that happens. I know, I know. I was watching with you. I was was feeling your pain (laughs) as you were calling that game. I'm like, get her the ball. And she had to want the ball. She kind of didn't seem to want the ball. It was weird. It It was was a strange situation. Second half, yeah. Yeah, So, so they need to get touches inside even if she doesn't shoot that opens things up for other players as with any big that is a reliable scorer inside and so and just for the record uh just so Kim Mulkey doesn't think that I also agree that uh, Baylor's not a good offensive team because I'm she'll talk to me about if she hears that we talked about this oh and I wasn't saying they're not a good offensive team they're not as strong as their past teams there you go there you go just so we clarify that just so we clarify that yeah I mean they yeah and they move the ball well and they can score but yeah the I mean if you worry about Baylor, it's it's how you score against them. It's their difficult defense. It's their tough defense. Yeah, very, very difficult. All right, Brenda, before <laughs> we let you go, I'm going to make you make a, a very tough decision, one that I have, um, I wouldn't say struggled with a ton, but it has started to be, um, it keeps me up for a couple minutes at night, every night when I'm thinking about the WNBA draft. I've watched both mm. Natasha Mack and Charlie mm. Collier play. There are some moments where Mac looks like the better player. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Charlie upside wise motor, you know, there's a lot of things to her, even in what she brings in her, her presence, you know, like to me, I, I was, we were talking to her on a zoom and I've never talked to Mac, so I don't know what the difference may be, but she has everything in my opinion, that would be a number one pick or a lottery pick or an impactful player, the WNBA, but what do you, if you are a GM of a WNBA team, is it Mac <laughs> or is it Collier for you? Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a very difficult decision, isn't it? Um, you know, I'd say for this season, Natasha Mack has elevated her team more than Charlie Collier has elevated her team. Um, but if I had to choose uh, for a WNBA player for the long term, I just, what, what Charlie Collier has physically and her, her skill set and everything, I probably would go with her. Uh, but then Natasha Mack probably would be on another team and beat me every time and <laughs> remind me that I should have picked her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, think, I, I think Natasha Mack also, uh, one of the things you can say about her is that she is, she is just going to keep getting better and better. Because, you know, she came from a junior college program and she's worked in Jim Littell's program just two years and look at the advances she's made in her second year. If she continues to work to develop her game, I think she's going to continue to get better and better. So, uh, you know, I, I would I don't think you can go wrong with either one. If you made me choose, I'd probably go with Collier. I'm just, okay. I'm just loving the bigs in the big 12. I'm going to go with Collier too, but she's third in scoring max six in scoring max second in rebounding Charlie's first. I mean, they are just neck and neck there. And, and, you know, I just think that Mac is, is a bigger WNBA prospect than anyone's really giving her credit for. And then she's, she's averaging four blocks. She's averaging four blocks a game. That's crazy. I mean, number one, in the big 12 by a landslide. 
Yeah, so, and that, and that's um, one of the reasons why Oklahoma State's so good defensively. You can't drive into the paint against them because she's going to either block or affect shots inside. So, you know, I don't want to say that I'm not giving credit to Natasha Mack. She has been fantastic. I do think she's elevated her team uh, more than anybody, maybe in the conference this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the Big 12 race down the stretch. Brenda, you are the yeah. best. We always enjoy talking to you. Please give Holly Warlick our best. How's she been? Is she doing a good job as an analyst? I know you guys have worked together this year. How's she doing? Yeah, oh, she's doing fantastic. We we have so much fun together and just really, you know, the off-camera stuff as much as on-camera. And uh, we've got a good game this weekend. We've got uh, Georgia at Florida. So how about Georgia this year? So we're, Ooh, we're looking yeah. forward to that. That'll be a good one. Now, will you be covering the Big 12 Women's Tournament for Fox? Yes. Awesome. Uh, I will be on ESPN Plus. It will ESPN be e Plus. either. Yeah, it will be on Big 12 now, ESPN Plus. A couple games will be on ESPNU, and then the finals will be on ESPN2. So the entire Big 12 tournament will be on the family of uh, ESPN. And so, like I said, you got to get the ESPN Plus app, the ESPN app, to make sure you're watching uh, most of the games of the tournament. That is a really big deal and awesome that we have you on the call for those games because no one knows more about the Big 12 than <laughs> Brenda Van Langen. Brenda, we thank you so much for your time. Um, for you. folks, if you don't know, the Big 12 tournament starts on Thursday, March 11th, and that will run through the championship game on Sunday, March 14th. So make sure you're tuning in. Brenda, we appreciate you. Stay safe. Thank you for thank your time. You. Thanks so much, LaChina. All right, basketball fans. So in full transparency, we wanted you all to have an opportunity to learn about Charlie Collier. And unfortunately, we were not able to get her physically on the show this week. Now, if you've been living under a rock, Charlie Collier is balling, okay? She was named a semifinalist for the Naismith Women's Defensive Player of the Year Award. She's averaging 21.2 points per game. 12.5 rebounds per game and 1.2 blocks per game. Now, no player in Texas Longhorns history has averaged 20 plus points per game and 12 plus rebounds over a full season, all right, with a minimum of 15 games played. And this is something that Collier is on track to do. So we wanted to make sure our fans had an opportunity to get to know more about this phenomenal young woman. And in order to do that, we want to share an interview or pieces of an interview that Charlie Collier had with our host, LaChina Robinson. Now in this first clip, Charlie tells us about the impact that her father had on the toughness that she displays when she's out there on the court balling. Take a listen. Um, we would play basketball a lot in the, in the front yard and he always used to block my shot. He had no mercy and, you know, you know, it, it would make me feel bad and, you know, and all that stuff, but I can use that right now. You know, nobody's gonna feel sorry for you. So it was more like, you know, he had that tough impact on me knowing that you know, I had to just get through whatever, any adversity, somebody blocks my shot, get it back. Like he just had the go-getter mentality and I learned that from him. In this next clip, Charlie shares a little moment of vulnerability with us as she details why cancer research is very important to her. Cancer research is really important. My dad died of lung cancer. And so any type of cancer, I mean, I know so many families, I have so many friends who have family members that have cancer. And so just 
to donate and just to think of a loved one, even if it hasn't affected you, it can help someone else. So I really think it's it's an amazing research and I feel like everybody should buy into it because, you know, you can save someone's life and um, it's just it's just scary and it's crazy how cancer can take a loved one's life away. But, um, you know, we're doing all we can to help. And in this final clip, LaChina gives her a little rapid fire and she definitely has some interesting answers, uh, especially the very last one. You just got to check it out. <laughs> Best basketball move. Oh, we got the turnaround over the left shoulder hook shot. Favorite WNBA player. Candace Parker, lover of versatility. Just a great player. I loved her since I was a little. Your motto. Nobody can stop me but myself. And any Coach Schaefer sayings that stick with you? All right, here we go. I don't want no ketchup, no mustard. I just want a plain hot dog. No fancy layups, just plain. That's it. <laughs> we want to thank College Basketball Game Day for sharing those clips with us and we want to thank you for tuning into the show. We also want to definitely say a big thank you to our guest, Brenda Van Lingen, for joining us and giving us the lowdown on the Big 12. Continue to follow, share, rate, review, and subscribe to Around the Rim. You can follow LaChina at LaChina Robinson. I am at SheKnowsSports underscore. Around the Rim Pod is at Around the Rim Pod. And you can also send us an email at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com continue to show us support we love it we love hearing from you and we appreciate you so until next week guys thank you for listening to around the rim check out more podcasts from espn on the espn app